0: to see everybody out this morning. I'm excited that you are here. We are continuing uh, the Gospel of John series, and uh, just want to start by saying thank you to Reelan uh, for the update. Man, it's good to see you, and it's great to have you back. And uh, man, we miss you guys around here, and we've been praying for you and excited for how God's going to continue to use you. Also, want to welcome Cody and Christina Moore. Um, you guys can give them a round of applause. Reelan too, okay? Reelan too. Um... Cody and Christina are in town this weekend, and uh, right after the service, we're actually going to, uh, they're going to be in the cafe, um, which is just to the left once you walk out of the auditorium. We're going to have a bunch of donuts over there, so trying to entice you, but we want to encourage you to come and meet Cody and Christina. I'm going to try to stay away from the donuts, as you can tell, I need to, but uh, we want you to come meet Cody and Christina, and uh, uh, we're just really glad that they're in town um, with us this morning. Um, I also just want to remind you of where we've been in this series, The Gospel of John. Yes, uh, last Sunday, we talked about agape love. And it was really, really cool how uh, a lot of people gave feedback of how they practiced this agape love. They put this love into practice. And I heard a few different stories of people um, really stepping out of their comfort zone and showing love to people that, uh, man, are, are different than they are, um, who... Uh, Uh, it was just uncomfortable for them to maybe uh, show kindness to. We learned about these four different kinds of love, and and we learned, uh, you know, C.S. Lewis was the one that talked about it, and and the first three kind of loves that we talked about last Sunday were based upon feelings, but the agape love was more of an act of the will. It was loving people, whether you feel it or not, and this was the same kind of love that God has for you and God has for me. He loves us sometimes, In spite of us. And uh, I think people were encouraged and blessed by it. And uh, man, I think it was a great challenge for us from the Gospel of John, chapter 13. And this morning we're going to be in John, chapter 14. And I want to encourage you to open your Bibles there. The verses are going to be on the screen. Once again, if you don't have a Bible of your own, that's our gift to you this morning. Uh, Just ask for a Bible at the Connect table in the lobby, and we'd love to give you a Bible of your own. But uh, we're going to be in John, chapter 14. And we're going to look specifically at verses 1 through 7. And I'm just going to read these verses to us this morning. And I really believe in the power of God's Word, the power of Scripture. I believe you're going to be blessed just by simply reading these verses. But we're going to look at verses 1 through 7, and then we're going to dive in to the message this morning. The title of the sermon this morning is Navigating the Way. And so let's look at John 14, verses 1 through 7. This is from John the disciple. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. These are the words of Jesus Christ. Verse two. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, I would have told you that I'm going. Um, if this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am, and you know the way to where I'm going. No, we don't, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Today, I want to talk to you about navigating this way. It was was referenced by Jesus Christ himself that he is the way. So we're going to talk about what does this way look like? What is this way all about? So we're going to talk about navigating the way that's talked about in verse 6 of John chapter 14. And I want you to know these are not my words, but these are Jesus' words. This isn't something that I'm declaring to you this morning, but rather it's something that he declared about himself. And I'm just the messenger here this morning. I'm just delivering a message to you. I'm delivering the news that Jesus proclaimed about himself. And I'm bringing to you this morning the good news that Jesus Christ is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. Does anyone in this room believe that? All right? Seriously? All right, let's wake up this morning, all right? Does anybody believe in Jesus in this room? All right, give me a little. All right, come on. All right, you can talk back to me while I'm talking this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. For the next 30 minutes this morning, I think maybe some of you in this room, you might hear something that you've never heard before. Um, I believe that this is going to be good news to your ears. I believe this message is going to encourage you. You're going to walk out if you're blessed and encouraged from the words of Jesus Christ. And I believe that today, wherever you find yourself in the landscape of faith, that God has a plan for your life. You need to know this. Each and every single one of us, God has a plan for your life. If God is who he says he is, regardless of your doubts, regardless of all your questions, regardless of your fears, if you will honestly come before God and you will say, God, reveal yourself to me. If you will ask God to make himself known to you, I know that he is a gracious and a merciful God, and he will declare to you, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He will declare himself. He will reveal himself to you. I'm going to ask that you would pray with me this morning. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would speak through me this morning, and you would um, knock people off center a little bit, that you would kind of rattle them a little bit, that you would... Uh, make yourself known to them, and it wouldn't be church as usual. I pray that we would encounter you this morning, God, and that you, through your word, you would speak to hearts, you would speak to minds, that you would challenge us, that you would, um, you would stir us a little bit this morning. And I would ask that in, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, the words that Jesus spoke in these verses that we just read, these, these words that Jesus spoke, he spoke these in the last 24 to 48 hours of his life. There's a sense of urgency building as Jesus is heading towards the cross. He knows what's ahead of him. The disciples are all in when it comes to Jesus Christ. They are bought in. They have, um, they have left uh, their businesses. They have left their livelihoods. And they are all in when it comes to following Jesus Christ. They've left clear succession plans. In this day, um, you became what your father was. So if if your father was a carpenter, you became a carpenter. If if your father was a fisherman, you became a fisherman. And uh, you would just take over your your father's business. You would follow in your father's footsteps. So these disciples, these followers of the way, they, they left their father's. They left their businesses, and they, they were all in on the Messiah, Jesus Christ. They were bought in. They believed in Jesus, that he was the Messiah. They, they're saying, we believe that you are the Son of God. And in their minds, the, the followers of Jesus, the disciples, what they were thinking was, this man, Jesus, is going to overthrow Roman dominion. He's going to establish a new kingdom that the Old Testament promised us. That's what they were thinking. Jesus Christ is going to come in, he's going to kick out the Roman rule, and he's going to establish a new kingdom, and we're all in on that idea. We're banking our lives on the reality that Jesus is the one. But all of a sudden, Jesus started making comments and statements like, I'm going to only be here a little bit longer, and then I'm going to leave you guys. I've only got a little more time with you guys, and then I must be going. I'm going to leave you. I'm going to be gone in just a little while. And statements like this from Jesus Christ, it really confused the disciples. They were baffled. They were confused. Uh, They were wrestling with doubt. And to be honest, they were freaking out a little bit. Hearing statements like this from the man that they believed was the Messiah that was going to establish a new kingdom. Like, what are you talking about you're going to be gone in a little bit? What do you mean by this? Jesus addresses their fears and their doubts in John chapter 14. This is stunning. This this shows us the heart of Jesus, and it really shows us his kindness towards you and towards me and towards his disciples. See, I I think many of us, many you and I, I think we would convince ourselves that if only we could see God, then we would believe. If I could just see him, then I wouldn't have any more doubts. If only I could see God with my own eyes, and you know the reality is? Is that's just a myth. The disciples saw God in the flesh, in the form of Jesus Christ, and they still doubted. You and I, even if we saw God with our own eyes, we're going to doubt. I mean, they saw Jesus uh, tell a dead man not to be dead anymore, Lazarus. They saw that with their own eyes. They saw Jesus feed thousands of people with a little kid's lunch. They, they, they experienced, they saw this. they In the middle of a storm, they saw Jesus tell the storm to stop storming. They saw this with their own eyes. And yet, they doubted him. But in the middle of their doubt, Jesus doesn't offer rebuke. I love this. I think Jesus had every, every right to be a little bit frustrated, to say, man, do you know what's ahead of me? The cross is ahead of me. Torture, brutal death is ahead of me. And you guys are doubting me? I mean, he could have gone off on them. But instead, he gives them compassion. He's ministering to the disciples, even though he's hours away from being slaughtered. He's ministering to them, even though they doubt him. Listen to John chapter 14, verse 1. We just read this earlier, and he said, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Remember, they're they're freaking out a little bit. They're a little confused. Like, why is the Messiah... Man, we've kind of... We've risked a lot to follow you, Jesus. Like, why are you saying you're going to be gone? And he's like, hey, don't let your hearts be troubled. Like, calm down. It's okay. Trust in God, and trust also in me. And this... These are the words that's really spoken to those of you here this morning that, man, you have a ton of questions. You have a ton of doubt. And I want you to know that God is big enough for your questions. God is big enough for your doubt. And God is saying to you this morning, don't let your hearts be troubled. Man, you can trust in Jesus Christ. You can trust in God. Jesus was kind towards them, even though they still doubted Him. And I love the honesty of Thomas in verse 5. Jesus had just shared a little bit about the glories of heaven, and he said, if you trust in me, you will always be with me, and you will go where I'm going. And Thomas said, no. Like, Jesus, we don't know where you're going. We don't have a clue where you're going. You're making all these comments about going somewhere, and I don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? I mean, how can we possibly know, Jesus? You're always like speaking in riddles and stuff, you know? Like, I can't understand what you're saying. Man, every time we see Thomas, it's either, you know, he got the nickname Doubting Thomas, and now he's here and he's questioning Jesus. I kind of like Thomas, because I think it represents a lot of us. Thomas was the guy, he wasn't going to believe it just because he heard it. He's the one that said, no, I want to touch the nail prints in your hands. I want to touch the the wound in your side where you got stabbed with a spear. Uh, I want to see Jesus before I believe in it. And I think that's many of us. We want to see before we believe. And uh, Jesus answered Thomas's question with a sentence. And I guess I would say it this way. Thomas, what he was really asking, and I think many of us are asking the same thing today. It's like, man, if we put our faith in Jesus, if we bet our lives on Jesus, if we give everything to Jesus, where is Jesus taking us? Like, where is he taking me? I think it's every human instinct to want to know where we're going before we start out on a journey. The disciples wanted to know the next step. They wanted to know, like, man, Jesus, aren't you going to build this kingdom? Like, when's that happening? When are we starting construction? Like, what's the next turn for us? What's the ultimate destination? Where's this journey of faith going to lead us? You know, when we head out on a long trip, I mean, we, we type into our phones, we turn on our GPS, and uh, we, we get an idea of how long the trip's going to be and what, what's the best route, the fastest route to get there. Um, I think we, we, as humans, we want to know where we're going. And Thomas was looking for that same kind of information. He was saying, no, Lord, I don't know where we're going. How are we supposed to know if it, I don't understand what you're saying? I don't know where we're going to end up. I think what Thomas was really asking was, Jesus, can you really do what you're saying you can do? Can you really deliver us from this broken world? Can you really uh, set us free from sin and death? I think what Thomas was really asking is, can you get us home? You see, when God um, created the world, when God created Adam and Eve, the first humans of the world, He created Adam and Eve in his image. And he created them sinless. They were at rest. They were at peace. There was no sin. God said it was good. And you remember when they made the decision to rebel against God. And they made the decision to sin. That is when death entered into the world. And everything below man and women is cursed. The ground that we walk upon. That's why weeds grow. That's why we have to... Work by the sweat of our brow. I mean, that's, um, everything below us was cursed. But the original state, the original creation, the, re, the original idea of God was this place of peace and rest. And I think that's what Thomas is really saying is, Jesus, can you get us back to that place? Can you reconcile us back? Can you get us back to that place where our souls are truly at rest? And Jesus answers Thomas' question with a sentence. He says, remember Thomas just said, I have no clue what you're saying, Jesus. I don't know where you're taking us. I don't know where you're going. And he says, Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No No one can come to the Father except through me. So where is Jesus taking us? Maybe you're asking that, like, what, what does it really mean to, to give your life to Jesus? What does that, what does that do for me? What does that, how does that benefit me? What does it mean to follow Jesus? The way is the way to life, to peace, to freedom, to victory, to rest, to be able to breathe without being full of anxiety. It's, it's, it's the way to forgiveness, being truly forgiven. Jesus says, I am the way. This was Jesus' final teaching to his disciples on the eve of his crucifixion. I mean, this is like, you know, sometimes the last words of an individual are are the most important. And this was his last teaching to his disciples. This was so critical, so important. He's saying, I am the way. During the times of the early church, believers were referred to as the followers of the way. What does it mean to be a follower of the way? I think often as Christians, we'll say that, man, we're followers of Jesus. We're followers of this way. But often, many of us as Christians, especially in the church, we we lack the compassion of Christ. We don't take on the humility of Christ. We don't show the love of Christ to our our fellow man. I think uh, sometimes... Christians get it confused in the church too where it's like, man, okay, following Jesus or following the way means that I need to bury myself in the study of theology or the study of the Scriptures thinking that this is the way. i got to bury myself in all these to-do lists, uh, you know, these religious to-do lists. But listen to what Jesus said about this in John chapter 5 and verse 39. He says, you search the Scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. And it's not about a bunch of religious duty. It's not about a checklist. And I want to ask, why am I saying this? Why am I preaching this to you this morning? Why am I declaring this to you this morning? Because there have been so many people who knew the Bible inside and out. But they missed Jesus. They were all caught up in religion. But they missed Jesus. The point I'm trying to make this morning, and I need you to write this down, okay? This is like, if you're going to walk out of here with anything this morning, this is what you need to walk out of here with. Write this down. This is so good. The way is a person. All right? I've wrestled with this this week. The way is a person. This is an an interesting statement because Jesus does not say that he's blazing a trail for us to follow or he's not saying, hey, I'm commanding you or I'm instructing you to follow this way. Rather, he says, I am the trail. I am the path. I am the way. The way is a person. The reality and truth of God are bound in Jesus. It's not simply... Do what Jesus does. It's more than that. It's it's, it's beyond that. It's not just doing what Jesus does. Um, It's he is the way. He doesn't say, here's a blueprint for life. He says, here is my life. Come to Jesus. Because he is the path. At the core Christianity is not just all about instruction, although there is instructions, okay? But at its core, the core of Christianity, the core of this way, the core of Jesus Christ is really about an announcement. It's an announcement that we have to believe and that we have to receive. And it's not an announcement that says, do this or do that. It's an announcement that says, done. Done. It's already been done. So take the pressure off of yourself of being some religious hero. You're not going to be good enough. You can't be good enough. It's been done. Jesus has already paid the price. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus has already done everything needed to make a way for you and me to come back home, to come back to that original state that he intended where he said, it is good. Your soul will be at rest. You see, true saving faith, it requires this continuing belief in Jesus Christ. And apart from Jesus, okay, the world offers all kinds of things, but those things always fall short. Those, the ways of the world just always end in destruction. But those offers from the world, I mean, they're godless, they're darkened, and they end up being deadly. Apart from Jesus... The way that you are walking leads to eternal destruction. Jesus is the only way. The way is a person. So how does, that, how does that play out for us practically? What does that really mean for us practically? It means what I want to encourage you as followers of the way, as followers of Jesus Christ, when you go to the scriptures, you're going to the scriptures looking for Jesus. When you're uh, studying God's word, you're looking for, man, What is where is Jesus just coming out of the pages towards me? He is the way. I need to put my life in his life. I need to be on the way. True saving faith requires this continual belief in Jesus. You see, when sin came into the world, there was a, a great chasm. There was a, a gap that separated us from God because of sin and death. It it, it separated us between what God originally intended. It separated us between um, rest and peace and true freedom and victory between you and a soul satisfying relationship. Like something that's truly going to satisfy your soul. This, This sin and death, it separated us From our creator. And listen. It's not going to be. A better job. That brings. Satisfaction to your soul. It's not going to be moving to another town. Or getting into another relationship. It's not more success. It's not more of this. Or more of that. The great chasm. The great gap. That keeps us from home. Is sin and death. And Jesus is the way. He is the one that made that gap come together through the cross of Jesus Christ. We can come back home. And Jesus is saying, I'm headed to the cross. He's telling his disciples, I'm going to die a brutal death. I'm going to be slaughtered and tortured and brutalized. And I'm going to absorb. I'm going to take all of the wrath of a holy, righteous God upon myself. I'm going to absorb all of it. And I'm going to be the bridge to make a way for you to walk across the great chasm, the great gap of sin and death. I'm going to make a way so that you can be welcomed home. You see, the way is a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. And I know some of us this morning, it's like, man, it sounds so simple. It sounds too good to be true. And I want you to know this morning, it is good and it is true. It is simple when you just put your faith in Jesus Christ and you follow the way. And once we do so, once we choose to put our faith in Jesus, we are agreeing to submit and to surrender our lives, ourselves, to Jesus, to pattern our lives after His, replacing our, our relationship with Him above everything else. He becomes number one in our lives, He, he is the center. Of our lives. And this is a personal decision that every human being is offered. And it's a personal decision that I'm encouraging you to make. John 14 and verse 6 Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. This is such a bold claim, it's a unique claim. And ultimately, it's an intimate claim that God invites us to. And if you've never responded to this claim, I pray this morning that that God knocked you off center a little bit. I'm praying and I've been praying that God will just reveal to you that, man, you can't do it in and of yourself. You can't do it in your own strength. And I've been praying that in love, that God, through his Holy Spirit, leads you to make a decision to give your life to him. And all of these things that Jesus said, and all of these claims, this is a, a bold claim. Jesus is saying, I am God, right here in the statement. Such a bold claim. And we know it's true, because it's backed up by the cross. Which was ultimately backed up by the resurrection. Let me put it this way. If anyone comes on the scene, and he predicts his death, and he predicts his resurrection, and he follows through with it, I'm following that guy, okay? That's the proof that we have that everything he said, everything he did was and is true. So once again, I've I prayed for those of you that, man, you've been following Jesus, you've already made this decision, but I, I've been praying that you would recognize anew, you would recognize a fresh that everything you're looking for can only be found in Jesus Christ. Sometimes we as Christians, man, we get, off, we get off the path. And we begin to try to find our satisfaction in anything and everything but Jesus. But I'm trying to remind you and encourage you, man, the, the, the only true satisfaction is going to come by following Christ. And if you're here this morning and you've never committed your life to Jesus, man, I'm so glad you're here. I've been praying for you, my heart is for you, and I'm here as a messenger of God to tell you that God, out of his great love, he wants to forgive you, he wants to redeem you, he wants to be your father, and he is a good, good father, and he wants to bring you home, he wants to bring you back into this right relationship that he intended from the very beginning of time. He wants you to have a soul-satisfying relationship with Him. You can be friends with God. And I encourage you to give your life to Jesus today. I'm going to close in prayer. Father, thank You for John chapter 14. Jesus, thank You for Your bold declaration that You are the way, the truth, and the life. It's not about just doing what You did. It's about... (laughs) it's about being in Christ. He is the path. He is the trail. He is the way. And I just pray, Father, that you would help us to grasp that, to better understand that. It's not about a bunch of religious duty and checklists. It's not about doing the reality is Christ has already done everything that we need to have the soul-satisfying relationship. So I pray, Father, that you would make yourself known to us through your Son. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would take the words that we read, especially verses 1 through 7. And Lord, that um, everyone here this morning, from uh, the oldest Christian here to someone that may be here for the first time in a church, I just pray that you would use those words to uh, speak to our souls and speak to our hearts and our minds. Father, I pray that some people would make the decision to follow you and to give their lives to you. We ask these things in the incredible name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing a song here this morning to close out the service, and um, we're going to have some updates after this song. But I just want you to be encouraged um, by this song. It's called Waymaker, and I pray that you'll be blessed by it this morning.